Great, it's working. Always worry about the technology. Um, see people fum fumbling with the technology as they start. Glad that it's all working fine. Um, yeah, uh, evening everyone. And evening to those online. Shout out to those online. A couple of people messaged me saying that they're going to watch online. So shout out to you. Um, yeah, it's such a privilege to, to get to share. And um, I've been asked to, to share about ethics and discernment. I think I'm one of the last people to share on, on the subject. Um, uh, some, <laughs> some that know my past might, might think that I, I am the last person to, to be qualified to share on this. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think with this subject, there are various different um, perspectives that you can bring. And from someone that I think many people would say, I'm, it's like a trophy of grace in a sense. God has been very kind to me. God has been very merciful to me. And in this area, it's an area where I have um, shown quite spectacular lack of discernment at times and uh, failed with regards to ethics. So in that, I think what, what happens is that you can learn. You can learn some, some keys where God brings you into freedom, when God brings you out of a place of struggle. And I'm hoping that my, some of the keys that, that I feel like God has given me can, can bring you hope. Perhaps you, you think about ethics and discernment and um, what is that, you know? What is ethics? Um, and I think, you know, uh, some might joke, if you're an English supporter, you might think the way that we snatched and grabbed that, that game was wrong. <laughs> it, feels, it just feels wrong. We were very lucky to win that game. But uh, um, about right and wrong and just living right before God, etc. And, and I think most of us know what's right and wrong. We actually know what, we actually have a good understanding of what ethics is. The trouble is we struggle to live up to it. You very, you, most of us know very much what's right and wrong. We know uh, most of these things, but um, in us is the struggle to live up to these things. And uh, I, for one, am very aware of times where I have failed in this area. And I'm sure many of us, if you think about this topic of ethics and discernment, where perhaps in the distant past or in the very near past, um, memories of not, not making it. And so my hope is that as, as I share tonight, that actually this is not actually supposed to be a struggle. Um, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I, through what I want to share tonight, um, I think a lot of these, these things where the enemy would want to pull us into a struggle, actually God has brought us a, a, a light um, burden and a, a yoke that's easy and freedom for us. So let's go to Romans 6. I'm going to start from Romans 6, uh, from verse 12. And uh, if, you, if you look earlier in Romans 6, it talks about the death and resurrection of, of Jesus and how we have, have died uh, with Jesus and raised to newness of life. And it talks about, um, consider yourselves then to, to be dead to sin, but alive to God. Um, and then here in verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. So I'm reading from the New King James. I think it's probably the NIV up there. Um, 
and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And this is the key here in verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. And it's quite a, you know, you look at that, um, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't, don't let sin overcome you. And it seems like it's so simple, but I think for, for me anyway, and for, for many of us, that's a far, it, it can become a far more complicated thing and something that we struggle with. And you read that, you know, sin will not have dominion over you, for you're not under law, but under grace. And what does that mean? You know, why is it that sin will not have dominion over you? And for me, for many years, I didn't quite grasp that. I didn't quite grasp what it means to be under grace. And so I'm hoping that I can uh, shed a little bit of light on that. Um, if you go to the next scripture, um, Romans 7 from verse 4. And it's, you'll start to see a few hints of what it might be to, to live under grace. And it says in verse 4, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another. I think the NIV says belong to. Yeah, belong to another. But uh, the New King James says married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, so that you might, may be a fruit to God. So essentially it's talking about being married to Jesus. Yeah, to him who was raised from the dead is Jesus. Um, and I think there it starts to show you the, the, the hint is that it is to do with relationship to him. And essentially, you know, married to him. Um, and then it goes on. And I think this is where, this was very relevant to how I felt about my struggle. And maybe this is relevant to you. It says here in verse 5, For where, when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Uh, if I had to ask you, do not think about a white horse. What are you thinking about? Um, and it's so funny how that works, that when you focus on the thing that you're trying to avoid, that's the very thing that you will end up struggling with. And uh, um, I'll, get to, I'll get to some of the keys just now, but I want to just go into a little bit of what it can be like when, you, when you're living under the law. And what that struggle can look like, and then also just the, the hope that there is after that. Um, if you read further, it says, But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. And I'm not going to go into it in Romans 7 um, further, but if you read there further, it says, uh, What shall we say then? Is law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin. And it goes on about how he says um, in verse 18, um, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is, is present within me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. So we know what's good. We actually know what's good. But we don't, we don't find the strength to do so. We struggle to live up to actually what we, we know is right. It says, for the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that is what I practice. Um, and it goes on and it says, oh, wretched man that I am. And I think if it's, well, the point of, what, of this is that it is possible 
to live your Christian life disconnected from God, disconnected from grace, and just by living the law, living according to the law. And it's a, it, that becomes a real struggle. And what ends up happening is that you, you fail, you feel shame for your own failure, so you feel less worthy of coming, coming close to God because you feel shame, um, and it just becomes a vicious cycle. And my, my hope is that as you, as you see what I share tonight, there's hope of actually breaking free of that cycle. Um, you read further, it says, you know, a wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law, uh, but not God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Then in verse one of chapter eight, the, next, the very next verse, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, or we could equate that to the law, but according to the Spirit. But now, but for the law of the Spirit, uh, of the, uh, um, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So we've actually been made free of that, that whole cycle that I was talking about. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. And there's another phrase there perhaps that's difficult to understand. What does it mean then to walk according to the spirit? You know, it talks about we've been freed from that. We've been freed from that cycle of living according to the law and living in struggle. But what does it mean to live according, uh, to walk according to the Spirit? Um, and uh, it's, I just love this passage. Um, you know, then, then Romans 8, it said that the Spirit, there's a capital S. So essentially the Holy Spirit. Um, and walking according to what the Holy Spirit, um, how He empowers us, but also what He says of us. And what He says of us is quite profound. Um, so let's go to Hebrews 10, from verse 15 to, to 23. And this, this passage uh, then, I think, really brings home, I think, the key to, to, to finding, um, finding grace. And um, in verse 15, it says, well, we were talking about, you know, what... What does the Spirit say of us? And it says, um, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, I was very aware of my sin, sins and lawless deeds. And uh, every time I would want to draw near to God, it was this feeling of, oh, I'm not sure if he's actually okay with me because I've messed up so badly or I've st I'm still struggling or last week this happened, you know. But actually the covenant that we're in is that he remembers your sins and your lawless deeds no more. And that um, if you read further, it says, now where there is remission of these there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, and this is the key, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest 
by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And I think that's something that we that the enemy would love for us to, to struggle with is who knows that feeling when you've messed up and then the enemy comes and reminds you, yes, you're so useless and you're not worthy to actually come into God's presence. Um, but he has forgiven us. He has washed us clean. We have been cleansed of evil conscience and we have boldness. You can be bold to come into God's presence. Do you know that? So it's a weird concept that, to be bold before God. But because of what Jesus has done, we are hidden in him and we can do so. We can come before him with confidence. And I think that therein lies the key to, to, um, to finding grace. Um, I'm going to fast forward to, to 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16 to 18. Because when you draw near, it's an, an amazing thing that happens. Um, and let's read it there in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16 to 18. So we're talking about when you draw near, and it says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And early in the chapter, it talks about people that are under the law. There's like a veil. Um, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we, with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of, of the Lord. So the key, the, the, the key that I'm mentioning here is that when you see God, when you actually see His kindness to you, when you see His mercy to you, and you see his love for you, it changes you. It does something to you, and his nature rubs off on you. On you. It's like you're beholding his nature as in a mirror, and we are being transformed into his likeness from glory to glory. Our only hope of getting it right is to draw near to him. And I think the enemy would love for us to pull away out of, out of shame, out of... Um, not feeling confident to come into his presence. And my hope is to, to encourage you that you can confidently come before him. Just to further, further um, uh, emphasize that point, I love this passage in Hebrews 4, verse 15 and 16. Um, sorry, lots of scriptures. If you're taking notes, um, I can share, with, share all the scriptures with you afterwards. Um, but Hebrews 4, verse 15 and 16. You know, you're contemplating coming before God and you, you've got stuff, you've got struggles. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in, in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It's interesting how, how it's, it's, it's worded like that, obtain mercy to find grace in your time of need. 
and uh, um, how almost um, for me personally, I, I struggle to 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 be to forgive myself for some of the stuff, and coming into God's presence properly, how you see His love, how you obtain mercy, how it really unlocks receiving grace. Um, yeah, and uh, just just further on that was when when you when we connect with God, when we connect with Him, when we're able to draw near with confidence. Um, we know we, we all know John 15. I'm not going to go there, but it says, um, "If you abide in me, um, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Um, for apart from me, you can do nothing." And I think that's the, that's the key with this: is that if we try and do this in our own strength, if you try and get it right, you know, many people will say, and I'll maybe say some controversial things now, but you know, accountability is good, but accountability won't get you freedom. You know. Trying harder will not get you free. Trying to work out, trying to outthink whatever struggle you have is not going to get you freedom. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, even, even I mean, the, the fear of God is good. But just focusing on the fear of God is not going to bring you freedom. What's going to bring you freedom is discovering the love of God for you. Discovering His kindness to you. you know, his kindness leads us to, mercy, to, to, to um, repentance. We know that from Romans 2. But uh, when you see his kindness for you, when you see his mercy for you and you connect with that, it does something to you. It changes you. And you can try till you're blue in the face with whatever struggle it is that you have. Apart from him, you can do nothing. Um, you can't overcome whatever it is on your own. And knowing that he can sympathize with your weaknesses, knowing that he, he knows our struggles, he knows that we are weak, and he embraces us, and he loves us. Um, and as you come to him, you can find grace for your time of need. It's key to, to overcoming whatever it is. And for me, I for years struggled in my own strength and tried harder and tried harder and felt f the fear of God and this. And it, did, you know, it didn't actually bring me freedom until I discovered God's love properly. Um, and so my hope is for you, you know, if you're feeling in any struggle of any sort, that um, that as you come to him, he's he's able to sympathize with your weaknesses, and uh, you can you can really connect with God's love, and then through that find find a breakthrough. Um, if you read in Hebrews twelve verse one and two, I'm not going to go there, but also it talks about we have this great cloud of witnesses. You know, therefore let us run the race with endurance. I'm paraphrasing, but then it says. Um, setting our, uh, let us throw off the sin that so easily ensnares, setting our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And that's the thing is that, that we, you know, the enemy would love for you to focus on your struggles, focus on the things that you're getting wrong. But what, what, what Jesus wants for us is to look up to him and to draw near to him and let him transform us. Um, and I, it took me a very long time for me to realize that. And uh, I hope that for you, you feel, you'll feel confident of that. Um, oh, I'm not actually going to go into discernment. Um, I thought I'd just stick with that, with the ethics side of it, things. I suppose just in, in passing, I can say that, you know, discerning these things, it's funny how often when you, when you live in community, and in Proverbs 20 verse 18 talks about, I'm not going to quote it right now, but just you know, with the counsel of many plans succeed. Um, with, with these struggles that we've been talking about, 
what, you know, trying to live right before God. When you've got people around you and you can open up with them, uh, how much easier it is to discern what is, what is right, what is wrong. Um, and James 5 verse 16 says, Confess your sin to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of righteous man avails m- much. So, yeah, my encouragement to you is that, you know, I think we all, we all understand um, the mercy and grace of God. We all have made mistakes ourselves. And uh, to be open with each other, to be open with each other, uh, with, with our struggles, to walk in the light in 1 John um, and pray for each other um, that, we, that we may come to, come to freedom. Um, so that's, that's me. Just, um, yeah, in summary, uh, from, from Hebrews 4, again, God can sympathize with your weaknesses. And so um, when the music team comes up again, uh, well, it comes up for the first time, <laughs> um, there's a place to, to come do business with God. You've, you've got some struggle. You've got something. Um, bring it before God. You might even want to share with someone. You might even want to open up to someone about a struggle that you've got. Know that, that God can sympathize with your weakness and let him open up your heart to him loving you properly in, the, in, in those difficult areas too. Um, and find grace for your time of need. As we're going to worship, why don't we stand together? So why don't you just close your eyes and maybe put your hands out in, in front of you as you just get ready to, to worship and Lord, we ask that as we come to come to just bring you our hearts and our lives in this time of worship, Lord, we ask that that as we worship you, as we we give our lives to you as as living sacrifice, we ask, Lord, that you would just come and reveal your heart to us. Lord, may this time just be an incredible time of just connecting with you. And Lord, I pray that in this time you would just, yeah, as you speak to us, Lord, reveal, reveal areas that, that need to be more like you. I pray, Lord, that as we worship and in spirit and in truth, as we we look to you. Lord, I pray that we would see ourselves the way you see us. That we won't focus on all that we're not. Or all our faults and our failures. Because we all have many, Lord. But I pray that our hearts will be turned to you and to glorify you and focus on you. 
Lord, may you be the center of our time. So come, Holy Spirit. Come and move, Lord. Come and have your way. Come reveal your heart to us, we ask.